0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to a very special episode of Chasing Breadcrumbs. I have the one and only Linda Hirschman with me today, and I have, oh, I've got, I've got questions, Linda. So we're going to get into those, but I'm going to tell you who Linda is. And then we're going to get into my questions. Okay. So Linda Hirschman is a licensed marriage and family therapist and approved supervisor with the American association of marriage and family therapists. Her book gray divorce, everything you need to know about later life breakups is the first comprehensive culturally informed treatment of the topic. So much to dig into there anyway. Aside from just reading the book, but I get you live, which is very exciting. Uh, Linda presents at professional conferences nationally and internationally on gray divorce, adult children of divorce, and related topics. On a personal note, Linda loves to travel and possesses mad knitting skills. I love it. She lives with her husband of 27 years in suburban Philadelphia.
1: Hi, Linda. Hey, Jess. Thanks so much
0: for having me. Oh, I'm just, I'm so I'm so, so grateful that you agreed to come and hang out with me for a little bit because you know, we, we obviously met before we, we re, um, agreed to record. I was like, yes, Linda, I need you. I need your wisdom because I have friends and family members who went through this very experience, right? You have this wonderful, quote unquote, successful marriage, and then your kids head off to school and or their own lives. And then after 25 years, 30 years, whatever it is, suddenly things look very different, Um, And sometimes, you know, for some of my friends and family members, it's been a very positive mutual experience and, um, and for others, not so much. So I'm, I'm just so curious about your depth of experience in this topic. And, you know, I think the first question is simply, how did this end up being your specialty? I mean, it's, (laughs) it's, it's not maybe an obvious one that jumps out to that first year psychology student. So what happened there?
1: Well first of all I am one of those people who believes that if you show up and say yes miraculous things happen. Yeah. And also if I I would love to tell this story because I just love this story but I do want to give a little context for a second yeah. when you say that you have friends whose parents are going through this Pretty much everybody does now because Mm. one out of four marriages of people age 50 and over end in divorce. One in four. One in four. Yeah. In in 1999, it was one in 10 and now it's one in four. And that statistic holds true in every country where divorce is legal and easily obtained. Well, you've already
0: blown my mind and we're three minutes in.
1: Where... Okay, I have more questions, but back to you. Okay. Back to you. I won't
0: interrupt you too much just yet. Getting,
1: <laughs> getting back to the story, I have for many years I've done magazine writing on professional and also not professional topics. I have um I was the editor and main contributor for the Pennsylvania Association of Marriage and Family Therapists newsletter for a number of years. And so I've always written, I've always been involved in the writing world. And I was writing an article on alternatives to litigated divorce. I came upon the term gray divorce, and Mm. it stopped me in my tracks, and I thought, gee, what's this? I've never heard of this. I did some research. I learned, and the definition of gray divorce is divorce that occurs over age 50, and I became interested in that, and I think I might have even written a magazine article or two on that, But then I got an invitation to submit a workshop presentation at the International Family Therapy World Congress, which was being held in Scotland in 2019. I had been thinking for a long time about going to Ireland because, hey, I love to travel. And I thought, well, if I present at the conference, then I can easily get to Ireland. And because I'm no fool, (laughs) I can deduct some of the expenses on my taxes. And I thought, what could I present at an international conference, at a world conference, that would have relevance to most of the people attending? I wondered if gray divorce was a U.S. phenomenon or if it was worldwide. Did some research into that got the figures, found out this is not just a U.S. thing, this Mm. is a thing everywhere. And I submitted the conference presentation, uh, the proposal. About a half an hour later, they sent me an email saying, we would love to have you come and present. So I originally started, and I was thinking as I became exposed to this about how many of my clients were coming in who were over the age of 50 and had very long-term marriages for the most part and were getting divorced. And I was particularly thinking, I'm certified in something called discernment counseling, which is a brief protocol for couples who are trying to to decide whether to stay or go, whether to work on the marriage or whether to leave the marriage. And it was really obvious there how many of my discernment couples were over age 50. Hmm. So. I went to I went I presented at the conference and took my husband with me, parlayed a three day conference into a 15 day road trip around (laughs) Ireland and Scotland. Very. I like it. It was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And while we were road tripping. I got a call from the acquisitions editor of a major publishing company. She asked me, she said, we were at the conference, we heard your presentation. Have you considered writing a book? And I said, you know, I never thought of it, but if you're calling me, I guess I'd better consider it. (sighs) that
0: saying yes to things showing its head again okay
1: showing up say now Mm -hmm. when you write a book proposal and of course this was the first time I did it and so it was a learning curve for me but one of the things you have to do is a competitive market analysis to see what's out there and as a therapist I look for patterns. And so I'm not only looking at what's there, I'm looking at what's not there. When I was doing the competitive analysis, there were several different types of books. There were a lot of books on great divorce and they fell into a few categories. And one was books written by divorce attorneys and financial professionals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another was a, were books about surviving and thriving after gray divorce. And then there was the quintessential book called Gray Divorce, which was written, I think in 2010. And it's this huge sociological study that nobody is going to read unless they're a sociologist. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yes, and Then there was the genre that I dubbed The Girlfriend's Guide to Great Divorce. And Uh those books were typically written by women whose husbands had left them for younger women. And the tone of the books was, okay, girlfriend, I'm going to teach you how to survive and thrive and become so great that he's going to be sorry he ever left you. Right. And Mm -hmm. in looking at what was not there, there was nothing comprehensive that covered a variety of areas people are encountering around gray divorce. There was nothing culturally comprehensive in there. And I realized that was my book. Mm. And so there we were. And ultimately, I ended up turning down the publishing contract and self-publishing. That's a different story, but to paraphrase Bob Dylan, I gave them my heart and they wanted my soul. (laughs) And so I just decided to do it on my own.
0: Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And here we are.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh gosh. I have so many questions. Okay. I got to go back to this, this um, specialty you have around you called it, sorry, it was discernment, discernment counseling. discernment counseling. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Because I think, you know, at no point and this is, I mean, it's, it's the year 2022 when we're recording this, I think at no point is anyone saying divorce is bad, always bad. Divorce is wrong. Like no one's saying that for the most part, or at least you and I aren't saying that. Um, I'm just so fascinated though, by this, this technique or this counseling that you do with people of, okay, but what should we do? Because divorce is, yeah, fine. That's a fair option. Staying together and working on this is a fair option. So what do we do? Like how does that, I mean, I know you can't teach the masterclass on it in five minutes, but I'm just so curious about that, that process for people and how you help people come to a, a decision point. Cause that's a, that is a big decision, especially we're not talking, we've been married for six months, have no finances together, no kids together. No, help. no, this is, it's, a, it's, it is a big decision, right? So how does that, how do you work through that with people? I mean, I can't get my head around it.
1: Okay. Let me start by giving you some of the differences between traditional marriage counseling and discernment counseling Mm. in traditional marriage counseling, the work is done with both people in the room and generally in, it doesn't always work out this way, of course, but The goal is to improve the marriage. And so, and again, this doesn't always work out, but the assumption is that people are coming in with the intention of working on the marriage and improving the marriage. And also, you know, of course it's not time limited because depending Mm -hmm. on the length and depth of the issues in the marriage, it could take, and depending on what has happened in the marriage, it could take a long, long time to heal whatever has happened. And another big thing in traditional couple counseling is the therapist can't be put in a position of being involved in a secret. And so Mm. if one person were to tell the therapist privately, listen, I'm involved with somebody. I don't know whether I wanna give it up. We treat it as a therapeutic issue and we, no marriage counselor should ever out another person. However, we have ways of working with that to say, okay, you know, we can work on this therapeutically for a little bit, but at a certain point, either you're going to need to disclose this, or we just can't continue doing marriage counseling because right. you're not doing marriage counseling at that point. And so in discernment counseling, it's, brief. it's about making a decision. And there are three paths. One is to stay the course and do nothing at this time. And Everybody who calls me says, oh, yeah, we've been doing that. I'm not doing that anymore. (laughs) However, people have been doing when they call me, generally, they've been doing it in a passive way. And our stay the course tends to be a more active thing. It can be something like in order to work on the marriage. I need to see this happening. I need to see you get into recovery, or I need to see that, or even sometimes it's just a question of we should put off this decision until the school year is over or until we're back to work after the pandemic or whatever. And so it's a more active process. The second path is to move towards separation and divorce. And the third path, is to commit to intensive marriage counseling where divorce is off the table for a period of time. Right. And when we're doing discernment counseling, we there is one person who, generally one person is the leaning out partner and they are more inclined to divorce and the other is the leaning in partner. They're more inclined to want to save the marriage. Most of the work in discernment counseling is done with each partner individually. And so for the leaning out partner, you want to have them looking at the three different paths and the pros and cons of both. And with me asking questions or the discernment counselor asking questions in ways that they potentially have not thought about. We also want to have the leaning out partner really look at what is my responsibility for the marriage having gotten to the point where divorce is on the table. Mm. With the leaning in partner, the one who wants to save the marriage, what we're generally doing is working with them to show up as their best selves, to not distance, to not pursue. And discernment counseling is done when there's a decision made. Generally one to six sessions. We don't want mm. to go past six sessions because at that point you're not discerning. Right. You Then you're getting into, you're, you're really in that path one place of not making a decision, right. of continuing to not make a decision. Right. So I find on average, i generally my clients generally need 2 to 3 sessions sometimes they know after one session occasionally it will go on a little bit longer but mm. my average is about 2 to 3 sessions
0: and like one thing i'm so curious about with with gray divorce um and Linda, you tell me, maybe I've just made this up in my head. I would imagine that part of the the struggle around what should we do is because it's not just the relationship. It's not like, do I want to have an intimate relationship with this person going forward? But it's also like our finances, our shared property, our children, our, you know, decades of shared friendships, our families are like, there's just so many threads when you've been married for that long. But I would imagine that part of the complexity on the decision is not simply do I want to be with this person, but like it's it's your whole ecosystem is is entwined. So but maybe I've made that up. Maybe you're like, no, no, they just want to know if they should be together anymore. (laughs) Like what do you tend to see?
1: Well, as a licensed marriage and family therapist, everything is systemic to me. Nothing exists in a vacuum. Now, keep in mind when you're working with couples who are over age 50 and sometimes they're in their seventies when they come in and they're considering great divorce. The one thing that differs the most from working with younger clients is the awareness of mortality. And if we end this marriage, who is going to take care of me, who will be there for me, who is going to help me. And Mm. that fear is equally common for both men and women. Mm. Now, with for older women, the other big concern is the fear of finances. Am I going to be okay? Right. And for men, the other big fear is their relationships with their children and how that might mm. suffer. Because statistically, the relationship with older men and their adult children does suffer in great divorce mm. in ways that doesn't happen with the, with the mothers. Mm. Now, I mean, the,
0: the piece of this that I know we, we had sort of suggested we'd focus on because I'm I'm so interested. Like you got me teary when we first met because I had made the assumption that like, oh, well, gray divorce is easier on kids. Cause like you're in school or you're working or you have your own family by that point. So you're good. You've moved on, you're fine. And you were like, whoa, 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 slow that train down. And you, you know, shared with me that that is actually not the case. It's not quote unquote easier on a 22-year-old child than on a six-year-old child. Um, and could you walk us through, I mean, you have an acronym for it, for heaven's sakes. So it's, you know, Adult Children of Divorce is, uh, is ACOD, not it? Is that right?
1: ACOD, yes. And by the way, it's not my ac- acronym. Yeah, sorry, so love to take <laughs> Linda made it up. She's
0: the creator of all of this. She's amazing. to take credit,
1: but it existed. In fact, there was a movie made called ACOD a few years ago.
0: Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't even know it was a thing. So can you walk us, because i my, you know, I had the totally off, not evidence-based assumption of like, oh, it's easier on them. They're just moving on. And you were like, no, that's that's not how it plays out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is the myth. There is a term that was developed by a therapist named Pauline Boss called ambiguous loss. Mm -hmm. Ambiguous loss refers to losses that are not generally recognized by society as losses for which there are no formal types of grieving processes and are of indeterminate length. And when the parents of adult children split up, the adult, in a lot of ways, it's actually harder than it is for younger kids. And it becomes what is considered an ambiguous loss because nobody is taking these adults aside and saying, hey, listen, how are you doing? Mm. You know, what do you need in this? There is a presumption, I see you're getting tears. I know, you got me again.
0: Like, <laughs> I knew I needed tissues I'm for this I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a crier, everyone knows it, it's fine, keep going.
1: <laughs> okay. There is a presumption that because the children are adults and they have their own lives and independence, Mm -hmm. that they can just absorb the losses and move on and understand in an adult way. The thing is, a child is always a child. I mean, I'm 65 years old and I'm still my mother's child in many Mm -hmm. ways, even though we Are very close friends in many ways. And there are still boundaries that should be in place in parent child relationships, no matter how old. And so the first thing that happens or doesn't happen for ACODS is this acknowledgement that this sucks for you too, and this impacts you as well. There are also a lot of Loyalty issues that come into play when you're an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, the parents look at their children as friends and they tell them things. And let me tell you what your father did to me, or do you believe what your mother is trying to pull? And it puts the adult children, the ACODS, into positions, sometimes of feeling like they have to choose sides. They also can get triangulated. This can happen with younger children, of course, but the older you are, the more you understand, the more likely you can get put in the middle and you have to tell your father why he has to pay for blah, blah, blah. Or you have to tell your mother why she has to stop doing whatever. And so from a family systems point of view, it is... It can be extremely difficult for the ACODS. Also, in if the parents had a high conflict marriage where they were always fighting, it's kind of a no-brainer. Sure. Yeah, yeah they're like, course, okay, I, the writing's yeah. been on the
0: wall. Okay. Yeah, I, they should have done
1: this 20 years ago. Right. But when you have a low conflict divorce where parents function very well together they get along well they don't argue they have a great transactional marriage maybe behind the scenes they're missing the spark but if they've just sort of outgrown each other it the acods begin to question their own history was my life a lie Oh, I thought I had. I really a happy
0: and I, it's gonna happen. I, oh, that just really got me. Yeah, like l- like looking back on their childhood and going, "What have I just like? What happened that I missed? Or was it really a happy Christmas? Was I missing? It? Like, it, is that that kind of questioning
1: their own? Yeah, narratives? absolutely. Oh, okay. yes. yeah, I get that. Did I really have this happy childhood, or right. was my whole childhood a lie? Also, they tend to develop trust issues because if they can't trust that their parents' relationship was as good as it looked, how can they trust their own relationships? Right. And then there are also financial and pragmatic considerations, too. Oftentimes, especially in families where there is money, the children grew up being told that their parents were going to pay for college, that they would give them a deposit on a house, that they would pay for their wedding. Suddenly, they're adults, they're needing the money. The parents are splitting up, they're splitting their assets and they're saying, Sorry, I know we said we'd pay for law school, but guess what? We can't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Those things happen. And also child care becomes a factor when a lot of times grandparents are providing a lot of child care when, especially when the mother is a working mother and maybe your 60-year-old mother or mother-in-law suddenly has to go back to work or your mm. father is moving out of town and they're saying, sorry, I wish I could help, but I can't help anymore. Mm. And so it, prevent- it, it presents financial issues, emotional issues, mm. family systems kind of issues. And also quiz which you don't really have to answer
0: I'm excited for it.
1: <laughs> can you guess when the worst time is for parents of adult children to divorce Ooh, um,
0: I mean everything I've guessed about things so far I'm, I've been wrong when it comes to grade divorce so I'm guessing <laughs> I'm wrong but I'm, I'm not going guess... <laughs> to
1: I'm Just not no, going to know, put you on the heart, hook with so. this <laughs> Yeah, there's no marks. You're not I'm not withholding your license for this. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to fail my
0: my certification.
1: Um is it when
0: is it when they're having their own kids or creating their own family or marriage
1: or something? Or the worst time for parents of adult children to divorce is when the kids first go off to college.
0: Is that okay? And is that Tend to be because college is just such a tumultuous time, or like in general for for young adults, or is there something different dynamic there?
1: It's well, a little bit. I mean, everything's lots slightly, of things, of course. Yeah, there's yeah, no one, everything's. Yeah. Like, I'm a therapist. There's so many parts <laughs> and pieces. Yeah, nuance is your whole life. <laughs> Everything is this and this. Nothing yeah. is this or this. Yeah, yeah. but and. I'm bringing this up because oftentimes parents will know that they want to get divorced, but they'll say, we'll wait till the kid goes off. Right. To college. Okay.
0: They'll know when their kid's 14, but they're like, well, we got four years left before they're moving out anyways. Let's just power through and then we'll deal with it then.
1: Okay. Exactly. Right. And what happens is when you're going off to college, especially if you're going away to school, this is your time to individuate to start to figure out who you are away from your family, to Mm. learn what you really like and want and are interested in, to start figuring out what do I want my life to look like? And when you go away and your parents all of a sudden are springing on you that they're getting a divorce, you don't really have an individuation process because you've got one foot in school but you've got one foot back at home worrying about what's happening what happens when i come home for christmas vacation where am i going how are my parents getting along how are the younger siblings doing with all this and so it doesn't give your college student a chance to really step from one world into another Mm -hmm. and to 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 really thrive in that individuation process. And it's even, and this is where I get into the cultural aspects of it. It's even more challenging for adult children of color because statistically speaking, the financial resources are much lower to begin with. Mm -hmm. And you've got, parents splitting assets that are much lower. And oftentimes the adult children of color have to step in and get jobs and help support the family, or they have to help with childcare. If, for example, mom has to go back to work or go to work. And so you have all the same issues, plus you've got the economic issues that tend to be more prevalent in the people of color community. Oh. oh, Linda. Okay. So if
0: someone is listening to this and they either, either side, maybe they're going through a great divorce and have adult children, or if it is an adult child whose parents are, are in the process of divorce or have divorced, what can they do to get through this in a way that is healthy and, I'm not saying a way where everyone will be happy and comfortable because I'm guessing that's probably not a super realistic goal, but, but get through in a way that they can get through it and be healthy and somewhat whole by the end. And I mean, my first thing would be like, get a therapist, but I appreciate that is not available to everyone. So what can, what can be done? Like, what are some practical ways people can get through this in a, in a, a, just in a good way. I know good's not the right word, but in a good way, in the healthiest way, healthiest way. Yeah. Possible. And I think that's a good, good qualifier too. Yeah. Yeah, And
1: again, I don't think in terms of good and bad, I Mm. think in terms of healthy and not healthy. Right. Which I'm
0: assuming again, is not a binary, but like a, what did a, um, Friend of mine said, "When it uh, like almost like a mixing board, (laughs) like turn on the healthy pieces and maybe turn down the unhealthy pieces, and to get your smorgasbord." But yeah, so tell us about some of those healthy mechanisms, then.
1: Okay. Well, the first thing, ask any of my supervisees, and they will tell you about my laws of Linda.
0: Book number two, Laws of Linda. I'll read it. Okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And one of my laws of Linda for parents who have adult children, well, parents of any age who are divorcing, is that you should love your children more than you hate your spouse.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got me with that one. Yep. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. That is the most important thing that any divorcing couple with children can do. Yeah. 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 And so for, I'll get back to the ACADS in a second, but in a general sense, if you are divorcing later in life or considering divorcing later in life, as you said, going to therapy is great because whenever you're going through a transition, it's so helpful to have the support of a neutral person. Right. Yeah. Who is not, your friends are great. Your friends are so important, but your friends are not objective. And That's right. yeah. it's not really helpful to have people whispering in your ear about well, it's about time you did this and they're such a horrible person and you're going to be so much better off without them. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it might be nice to hear in the second, but it creates all kinds of difficulties and it's just not helpful. Yeah. But having a therapist who is in your corner and who, as you were saying, helps you strengthen the healthy parts right while learning resilience in the face of the more difficult parts of it is a great thing if you can't go to a therapist for whatever reason or you don't want to go to a therapist for some reason there are plenty of divorce support groups out there a lot of them are free mm-hmm. some of them are run through churches and other religious organizations, and they may be running at different levels of religion and spirituality. So you really have to look around. The one caveat I would say with divorce support groups is that they should be run by somebody who is trained to do it
0: because
1: it is not useful To sit in a group of nine other with nine other people every week and just be bashing your ex. Right, right. The whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I get that. And then there are divorce coaches who are not therapists and ideally they're trained to recognize when you have issues come up that would be better handled by a trained therapist. But divorce coaches are great to help you with the ins and outs of things. They can help you with organizing things, with getting your paperwork, with walking you through the steps, with helping you plan a lot of the specifics of your life as you're going forward. There a lot of people do really well with yoga, with Mm -hmm. exercise, with it. If you have a passion, make sure you can, you continue to engage in your passion. Mm -hmm. And if you have been raising your family for 25 years and haven't had time to figure out what you're passionate about now is a good time to start looking. Right. Yeah find something that gives you joy. Yeah.
0: You know, Linda, I love that. There there's this like, uh, this kind of thing where we we make fun. I think it's a little less now, but I'm not convinced where we make fun of. There's that, you know, the trope of the divorcee who's off to a pottery class and, and it's like, you kind of roll your eyes at it. And I just think, fuck that. Like this woman has probably poured her heart and soul into this family for how long, and now that no longer looks the same. So yeah, hell yeah, she should go to a pottery class. Why are we making fun of her for exactly what you said, going, okay, now I guess it's time to figure out what I enjoy doing. Yeah, go to a pottery class, go to a freaking Zumba class, go on a hiking meetup, whatever, I don't know, but explore things. And yeah, I I hate that trope of the eye roll at the divorcee for going to the jewelry making class screw off like why shouldn't she i mean honestly sorry rant over but but yeah Yeah, i I love
1: that as you're saying that as you introduced me at the beginning i have mad knitting skills and (laughs) (laughs) after i've been after i've been seeing clients all day you know my chill time my me time is to get my knitting and you know have an hour of knitting in netflix and yeah but there are lots and lots of studies about the therapeutic benefits of knitting. And it is proven that knitting can be useful for depression, anxiety, helping get you out of isolation, all mm-hmm. kinds of other things. And in fact, there is a woman in England who teaches a lot of therapeutic knitting Workshops through a lot of the universities in England. And so this is really a thing. And they have knitting in prison systems. They found Mm. that it's been really helpful. So, and I'm saying knitting because that's my jam. Sure. But (laughs) to your point, it can be pottery, it can be jewelry making, it can be Zumba, whatever Mm. brings out that creativity, that calm. Hmm. And the other thing I would say in terms of seeing a therapist is if you're divorcing over age 50, the likelihood is you're going to remarry
0: hmm. for
1: men over 50, something se- 70 some percent remarry within the first couple of years with women. It's in the 60 some percentile who remarry. So statistically speaking, chances are higher that you're going to remarry than you're not. But I really encourage everybody before you go into that next relationship to do the work on yourself and really understand what you brought into this. And work on that piece of it, because history that's unexamined is doomed to repeat itself.
0: Right. Yeah. And
1: the divorce rate for second marriages is much higher than for first marriages. It's in the 60-some percentile for second marriages. It's in the 70-some percentile for third marriages.
0: Mm. With
1: each subsequent marriage, the divorce rate goes up. And there are a number of reasons for that, and we explore them in the book. But one of the ways that you can help protect against that is to really understand how you got where you were Mm -hmm. so that you don't end up replicating your previous relationship.
0: Okay Linda, I have a it's more a therapy 101 question than a gray divorce question, but I'm going to I'm going to ask you while I have you. I made the mistake of telling a family member once that I thought they should see a therapist. I didn't say it in anger or as an insult. I just said, "I have seen a therapist, it was so helpful for me, maybe you should think about it." Needless to say, this person did uh, um, did not take it well. <laughs> That's a, I was like, Oh, that was an error. I, you do not. Okay. Got it. Sorry. Lesson learned, but I can, you, can you articulate for us? Why go to therapy and and specifically for those people who, who like this family member of mine was like, I have a spouse who's a great listener. I have friends. I don't need a freaking therapist. I have people. I think there is still this weird myth out there that a therapist is just like a great friend who listens well, Um, And while therapists are trained to listen really well, that's not what it is. So would you give us the therapy one-on-one of like, if you've got a good support system, like why might therapy still be a really, really great step for you?
1: Sure. And also most therapy is not the Sigmund Freud therapy yeah. of the, the old <laughs> right. lay on the therapy couch. where you lay on the couch and you talk for Just an hour and, and at the end of the hour, you feel better and you give me a check <laughs> and I feel better and we all go on our we way.
0: We all go on with our Tuesday. Yeah. yeah.
1: We, therapists actually have a responsibility to do things. Now, right, the number right. one thing we do is to provide a safe space for people To really get into their stuff. But, and again, I I will speak as a licensed marriage and family Mm. therapist who also does plenty of individual therapy because we all do. It's more individuals who come in for therapy than Mm. couples. But I go back to patterns. Relationships function in patterns. Each person brings their own unhealthy part into the patterns that are not working. Each person is responsible for changing their part in the pattern. And so when I'm working Mm -hmm. with couples, I'm looking in vivo, as people are talking, arguing, shutting down whatever, at the patterns, and I'm able to, in the session, bring out, this is what's happening here, right? And let's try it this way, and here's why, and so on and so forth. And so we're changing the patterns as they're occurring in couples therapy. Now, the same in individual therapy, that people are bringing their own patterns in, and of course, it's different, because I don't get to see them interacting with other people, however they interact with me and Mm. they bring their patterns to me as well. And so somebody who is afraid of being abandoned. If I tell them I'm going on vacation, all of a sudden they will start to push me away Mm. and. We can look at that and what's happening here, what is happening for you in this, and in what context does this happen in your other relationships right. where you are afraid when that somebody is going to leave you. And then, of course, there are ways we work on healing that abandonment or whatever it is. Anger. Somebody blows mm-hmm. up the It's It's a lot more common than you might think that a client will blow up at a therapist. Now they're Mm. not really blowing up at me, but because I'm not a friend, I know it's not personal. Right. And it's safe for them to blow up at me like that. And Mm. we can look at what just happened here. What was triggered in you? If you were to float back, where did this come from? And then We work on healing that piece that's presenting itself, Hmm. and so we're not paid friends. Yeah. (laughs) So, in summary, I'm not
0: a paid BFF. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I'm not your paid friend.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I actually have a job to do, Hmm. and my job is to recognize, help you understand what is making your life difficult and to work with you on how you can make this better
0: mm. oh linda okay i'm mindful i'm out of time with you even though i want to hang out with you for another three hours but oh. that that might might be a bit excessive <laughs> a four-hour podcast
1: we um, might lose some people's attention we might,
0: some people might drift off and go yeah. off to something let um, just
1: go back for one second though jess of course with um, and i'll make this brief, but I do want to touch on the healthiest way to do things when Mm. you are a parent of adult children getting divorced, or if you are an adult child who's getting divorced. The best thing you can do for your kids is don't treat them like they're your friend. Mm. Do not tell them your personal business. Do not, do not trash your future x to them do not draw them in do not ask them to choose sides and again that might be something that is much easier to learn how to do with the help of a therapist and if you are an adult child of divorce it's really helpful to get therapy because first of all you will get validation that yes this, this is, is in fact a, hard, a loss. painful thing yeah. yeah this is a loss this impacts you yeah. also a therapist can help you learn to set boundaries can help you learn to say to your parent it's not okay for you to tell me this kind right. of thing and and if you continue here's what I'm going here's what steps I need to take mm.
0: yeah um and I think Again, maybe I'm making this up, but I think I've got this one actually right this time. I think that the the other myth of like, well, we'll wait till the kids have moved out, because then we don't have to co-parent. And I think that is a myth. Like you do, if your kids are 35 and you're divorcing, I think there is still an element of co-parenting. I appreciate the co-parenting isn't dropping them off on Friday and picking them up Monday and going to the parent-teacher interview together. But there, there's still an element and again, they're adults. So maybe you don't have to spend Christmases together. Fine. I get it. But I imagine that co-parenting doesn't really ever go away
1: or, or maybe, no, it, I, maybe I'm wrong. It, it never really goes away. I was married and we had a child when we were in our twenties, we got divorced and my child is going to be 42 in a couple of weeks. And well to your point we're not picking up the kids and dropping sure. off the kids and we're not coordinating the holidays and we happen to get along very well so mm. there's not an issue with that but there are still things that come up not often but once in a while that we do have to have a conversation about yeah and if if there have been periods where our son is needed as an adult, some financial help, And sure. we've had conversations about, well, I can do this. Would you be able to do this? Or there are scheduling things once in a while, especially my son lives out of state now. And so if he and his partner are coming in, then we may have a conversation about he's going to stay with me and he'll spend this time with you or whatever. Now, of course, he's, our son is the one who's making those decisions, but we still have conversations once in a while, or the conversation may be, hey, they're just in for a very short visit. Let's all get together. Mm. So (sighs) it it doesn't stop.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, It just gets minimal and different. Sure. Yeah.
0: Okay, Linda, your book, Gray Divorce: Everything You Need to Know About Later Life Breakups, is is that also a good resource for adult children of divorce or is it is it quite specific to the people going through the divorce?
1: There is a chapter on there that covers adult children of divorce. Okay. Okay, great. Yes. Okay. So that is like a resource. I said, this is perfect. This is a comprehensive book. I yeah. cover all kinds of things. I cover discernment counseling. I cover the reasons, the upsides of gray divorce, the downsides of gray divorce. I mm. cover a lot of the cultural aspects. I have a chapter in there on LGBT divorce mm. and mixed orientation marriage divorce, where one person in the marriage comes out or transitions later in life. Right. And so this really is a. A comprehensive book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Linda,
0: if someone does want a copy of the book or, or just wants more of you, where can they find more of Linda?
1: Well, my website is lindahirshman.com. Yeah. And I don't know. Are you going to be posting links? Oh, yeah. I'll yeah. Okay. There. I do have your website. So, so I will make sure link. that's in there. Yep. And as for getting the book, if you want to the e-reader version of the book. It's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. If you want the print version, the best place to get it is bookbaby.com.
0: Okay. I'll put that in there too then. Okay, perfect. I'll put that link in there. Wonderful. Okay. Linda, and, both- oh no, go ahead.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say every once in a while, I run promotions on book baby for the print book And so if anybody wants to know if I have a promotion going for your podcast listeners, they can go through my website and just ask me, is there a promotional code for a discount? And I'm happy to give it to them. Oh,
0: perfect. Okay. Okay, great. So we'll make sure your website and BookBaby is linked there and they can get in touch with you to find out about any discounts. Okay, wonderful. I have to end with lightning round if you have time. Is that okay? Just because it's fun. Yeah. You've made me yeah. cry three times, so I want to. All right, ask now you're you getting about, me nervous. No, it's okay. I'm going to ask you stuff like, "What's your favorite meal?" You or you're not going to cry from my questions. Don't worry. Okay, you ready? Okay, Linda. Go ahead. Question one: Sunrise or sunset?
1: Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Option C: All of
0: the above. Okay. <laughs> question two: Who is one of your heroes?
1: Okay. Give me a second to think about, well, all right. I'm going with the professional answer on this. One of my heroes is Bill Doherty who developed discernment counseling because it gave me a whole new way to work with these mixed agenda couples. So good.
0: Bill Doherty. Is that Bill Doherty?
1: Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. I'm not a tea drinker at all, but tragically, I can't drink it. Oh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) you an impossible question. Okay. Next one will be easier. I think because it's totally hypothetical. If you could be any animal for one day, what would you pick?
1: Oh, I don't want to be an animal. I like being a person. You are such a therapist.
0: Like a human. I mean, human.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to stay human.
0: Okay. If you have to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what do you pick?
1: Meal or food.
0: Whichever you, whichever you like.
1: Oh, yeah. That would be ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> we'll not gonna one. lie. <laughs> uh
0: meditation or yoga?
1: Neither. <laughs> Option and C, let none me, of the above. Elaborate on that. I have a job where I sit on my ass all day. Mm-hmm. And I'm inherently a calm person who does not suffer with anxiety. And so I need to be really physically I I need to really Oh, you gotta jack yourself
0: right up. You gotta I have to go for
1: it. And I can't do it anymore because getting older kinds of problems. But for a long time I kickboxed with a trainer several times a week. Linda, you're so badass. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) I was. I'm not now, but I was so badass. I feel bad because practically everything you're asking, I'm saying, no, I don't like that question.
0: <laughs> well, give the cool you thing is, answer? You're the boss of you. So you need to say <laughs> whatever you want to say. That's the joy of the lightning round. Okay. Uh, if you win the lottery, what's the first thing you spend a little bit of money on? Travel. Okay. Speaking of what is your next dream travel destination?
1: Um. Well, there's my dream travel destination and where I'm going next. My dream trip I had all booked to Greece and Russia and this was, we were supposed to go in April 2020.
0: There it is. I thought that was Need I say more? Yeah.
1: One thing, I was on a podcast where they asked at the end what are the three things you know for sure and one of the things I know for sure is the Bolshoi Ballet is never going to refund my tickets and I will... (laughs) (laughs) But having said that, I am presenting on discernment counseling at the International Family Therapy World Conference in Malaga, Spain in April, and we're going to Morocco oh, before oh, nice. we go to Spain.
0: Okay. That's pretty good, though. That's all right. Yeah. So it's, give you that it's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Okay. Uh, winter or Summer. Summer. Okay.
1: Last question. That's very clear.
0: That one's easy. That was the one that you're like, yeah, that's fine. I could do that one. Okay. Last question. If you have a billboard in every populated center in the world, what do you put on that billboard?
1: Oh, I put my book. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. That's
0: perfect. And maybe like a QR code so people can go right to the site and buy it. Okay. I like that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Linda, I am so, so grateful. You were so generous with your time and your wisdom and yeah, maybe a part two one day, because I still have about 18 questions about, <laughs> about great divorce and therapy for great divorce and adult children. So thank you. I'm, I'm really grateful for your time.
1: I would love to come back anytime after we met originally, I was so looking forward to this and glad we got to do it. And mm-hmm. Yes, so yeah. anytime. And just so you know, my next book is going to be Ooh, Insider written, Scoop. Yeah, Insider Scoop. Maybe you'll want me back for that. It's going to be for family members and loved ones of people who come out and transition in later life.
0: Oh, that sounds a am- like an amazing resource. And yeah very needed so we need to definitely do part two on that topic I'm um,
1: I'll keep yeah. you posted laws of and Linda. now that I said it I have to write now it. you have to
0: do a public accountability it's always good oh Linda thank you so much I'll make sure all the links are there so people please do um please do check out Linda's work and and her book and her next book and and really grateful thanks so much Linda
1: thank you Jess stay healthy